0: Hi there and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday morning, March 30, 2020. Not as beautiful as it could have been. There should be lots of baseball being played today. It'd be nice if it was sunny and warm outside. Alas, I am here talking with Tristan and Kyle Saffi. Tristan, you know, the winner of League Slayer of Dragons. Kyle researches, produces like a champ. I'm Eric. Somebody has to keep us on a clock. Uh, On today's show, well, what would you like to discuss? Tristan, anything
1: on your mind? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I, I I love and appreciate your optimism by labeling today a beautiful day. It's the start of a new week. So I guess in that way it's beautiful. But I look outside and it's cloudy. Bring back the nice sunny, you know, increasing temperatures, lengthening days periods. I mean, come on, we need something to look forward to. <laughs> well, I
0: mean, not to be too personal, but I feel good. So it's a beautiful day, That's honestly. Fair. I hope what? everybody listening is feeling healthy and trying to make use of their time and doing the right thing and hopefully by the end of this month by the end of April it's all gone. Anyway.
1: Give me give me the one example as to what, what's making you feel good. I'm glad to hear that. What's one well, thing? Well I've been
0: watching I like last night I watched the Dodgers and um and the Athletics in the eighty eight World Series. And I and I kept watching the Kirk Gibson thing. Basically, if they put baseball on TV, I'm gonna watch it right now. So <laughs> Like, they did a whole, like, retrospective on Kirk Gibson um, and about how, like, he came out for that one at bat and how he was really injured and everybody else. And, and I'm looking – so I, I'm on baseball reference constantly, constantly. I'm just, yeah. like, picking a player now and looking him up and then looking up his team and then yep. figuring out how that team won its games. So I don't understand how the Dodgers even won 94 games that season in 88. Uh, Kirk Gibson won the MVP and Oral Hershiser yep. probably should have. But yeah, after those two guys, I have no idea how they beat the Mets or the A's to win it all. I, I, and Gibson barely only had one at bat in the World Series. It's just amazing to me that like Mike Marshall's their second best hitter and they made the World Series.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we always talk about those percentages of health for players. I mean, what would we have graded Kirk Gibson at the time? 50% at best. He homers off a Hall of Fame closer who was one of the best in his craft in the history of the game. And I'm sorry, I'm just taking his relief performance here. Eckersley was one of the greatest in history. I agree. I love these greatest games. I'm watching a lot of those over and over again. The, the 86 NLCS oh, uh, yeah. cl- clinching game. That was an outstanding game. I remember, watching that. I remember watching that one live. I was negative something years old. But yeah, it, it's pretty fantastic. And I'll tell you, you, you mentioned it. I am going on Baseball Reference as well, too, and I'm enjoying that a lot. And I've talked to many people about what to get out of that, and I'm, I'm making that, that plug for them. I love the Play Index. I keep diving through there and just checking some neat little facts. The stuff you could do to manipulate that site is pretty darn cool.
0: I, I, and and I, I find myself on Baseball Reference more now than ever before, just looking up random things like Tim Belcher's career. And by the way, I know it's a different site, but The Ringer had a great article on the writers' thoughts on baseball reference and what you can find there. Just go check it out on The Ringer. It's fantastic. Um, And we're doing great stuff on our site, too, and I don't want to minimize that. Um, So let's get to some of the news, because there was news after our show last Thursday, and Jeff Basson and Kyle McDaniel have it all here, and it's on the baseball page. And basically, there's a new agreement on stipulations between the MLB and MLBPA, and most of it people probably don't care about. Just play baseball as soon as you can. Um, health-wise is what everybody wants. But was there anything in here that affected fantasy to you? Because teams had had a deadline to make moves on demoting players, but in a way, just because, like, Zach Plisak got demoted doesn't mean he won't be there for opening day for Cleveland. So service time became an issue, uh, roster adjustments. Was there anything that happened late last week that affected fantasy for you?
1: Um, A lot of things that are going to have minimal uh, impacts – but noticeable enough. And it's gonna depend a little bit on what the extent of the season is. But as you mentioned, Eric, the, the <laughs> those couple of moves by the Indians. A lot of these are procedural moves being made by teams, Brennan McKay being demoted, Alex Reyes being demoted, signaled to me that teams are going to begin thinking about service time implications for their younger players and gaining that year of control. If the season ends up being extremely short, I think it's going to be a decision and we've mentioned this before. Uh, by teams as to whether they want to burn that year of service time. I think these moves do speak very much to that. So we'll see exactly how that plays out. Now, on the other hand, the fact that they're going to expand the rosters in the early weeks of the year does probably benefit some of these players because they're going to need to get some of their better players. And if they're expanding off the 40-man roster, they're probably going to have to call those guys up in order to fill that full roster. So you're right. I think Savali, I think of the, James Karinchak of the Indians, one of the more intriguing setup guys out there, a hold sleeper perhaps, they're probably just going to end up getting recalled. But I think those teams are going to think about each day they spend this year on service time.
0: Bottom line. After everything that's happened in the past, say, two months, if you're a Mackenzie Gore or Dylan Carlson investor, do you feel better about their chances of debuting this season or worse?
1: (sighs) This isn't meant to hedge on the question, but I think it's both. I think that the range of outcomes has widened substantially. I think we're going to find situations, Eric, as you mentioned about Spencer Howard, where if the Phillies are contenders, they're going to need a player like that and be much more likely to call them up and not worry about it. At the same time, if a team does not feel they are that, I think they're going to be more apt to try to suppress the service time. So I think on the the extremes, it's going to widen. But a lot of these teams, we're not going to be able to determine which ones are contenders. Another interesting thing thing to me was, what if we do go from 10 to 14 playoff teams? That means a more competitive season, deeper into the year, less trades during the year, less big name trades during the year. That has a little bit of an impact on fantasy as well. During these early weeks, if it's a 29-man roster, I think pitching strategy is going to change for teams, and that's going to influence the middle relievers. I think that the, the buying opportunity when we get there is going to be the middle relievers because starters will not be going deep.
0: My answer to my own question is I think that this is more likely to make Gore and Carlson and Joe Adele major league players in 2020 because I think the Padres will be in contention or should be in contention in a shortened 70-game season in September slash October whenever the end of the season is. And if the Padres have a chance to catch, even the Dodgers or a wildcard team, Mackenzie Gore will be promoted. So if you're drafting prospects for this season, I think – I was not drafting Mackenzie Gore two months ago. I think now I'm going to draft him potentially as a 50-borderline starting pitcher. And it has to be a certain type of league. But in an ESPN standard 10-teamer, or to me a roto league, which is my standard, I am much more likely to draft a starting pitcher like Gore. Uh, And let me think of others who have a shot. Um, You had a a few
1: you mentioned before, Howard being one of
0: them. Yeah, I mean like Spencer Howard to me – could make as many starts as Jake Arrieta. The Phillies want to win now. The World Series title, the flag, will be the same as a 162-game flag, whether it's a 62-gamer or not. So to me, I think starting pitchers that are ready for the majors are going to be up this season. That's one of the changes that I think will happen from a shortened season.
1: The only thing I'd like to challenge on this one, I'm just curious, your take. I think it's pretty easy at the beginning of the year to pick five to eight teams that are bona fide contenders. Things are not going to go awry. And on the other hand, five to 8 that they're going to be total disasters. So we put those out of the discussion. What if the Padres are an absolute train wreck to begin their season? And they decide. Right. And do you bake that into the score projection and ranking?
0: I don't think they're going to be a train wreck, so no, I'm not going to rank. I'm not going to devalue the upside of Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore versus Miles Michaelis. I know what Michaelis is. I think I know what Gore is. And if you have a 60 game season or 70 game season, I think Gore is going to be more valuable because I think the Padres will call him up. So that's how I'm going to view it.
1: Michaelis's value did increase over the past couple of weeks because it is now very likely he'll be ready for a full year.
0: Well, he's not a better pitcher now. He's just a healthy pitcher now.
1: You're right. You're right. They both did gain, in, in a certain sense, they both gained value. But Michael, right. this is one of the ones who did benefit.
0: Let's talk about some of the great material that has actually been posted at ESPN's Fantasy Pages. Our friend Todd Zola has a How to Mock Draft Like a Pro article. Came out on Friday. Todd does a fantastic job writing. He has his own website at Masters Ball. That's fantastic, too. Um, what did you get out of this article? I, I personally like to mock draft uh, a lot. Before a season, especially before my most important leagues, because I want to see the value of players and I want to build teams my way and see if I'm wrong. Like I might be a guy who, you know, I'm not taking like the top closers, okay, in the first ten rounds. In a mock draft, I might try to do that and see if I like the construction of my team. That's why I like mock drafting quite a bit. I like trying points leagues and roto leagues. What about you? What'd you get out of Todd's article?
1: So the key from Todd was, I think. To me, I want to value the tough categories, especially stolen bases. I want to see what the market is dictating on those. Uh, And a little bit of the tough part for me is that if I'm playing the head-to-head categories, having, being the person who submits the rankings, if people are trying to stick to what the rankings in the room tell you, what I want to do is extract those results afterwards and compare them to the rankings that went into that draft room beforehand and see if those categories get influenced. See if a guy like Malik Smith, who we've discussed a lot on the show, was drafted considerably sooner or And this is unlikely considerably later than where I ranked him, because then I'm going to get an idea of whether the market is overvaluing that one particular category. So to me, that's the key. The other one, too, is I want to try and do a lot of mocks. I want to sit down and try to do 10 of them and then come up with some sort of comparative results against each other to see if there's any trends that I can extract.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Pay attention to basically what other people are doing. You have to be in a draft also with people that are paying attention and doing it right. You don't want, like, auto-drafting out of two or three slots. So I thought what Todd did was great there. Read it. Also, your playbook, which was posted, I believe, after our show on Thursday. It's very long. It's very good. And do you, do you practice what you preach? That was my first question when I read this fantastic article. I'm like, okay, there's obviously differences in only leagues and points leagues and roto leagues and how many teams there are and all that. It's a lot of work preparing for these different drafts, in a way. So do you always practice what you preach?
1: No. I deviate from my rankings a good amount. And that's usually, you know, as we mentioned, building a fantasy team is a puzzle. And to fill that puzzle, sometimes you have to look for that one piece you didn't expect. And you have to uh, pay a premium. I, I just had a discussion in, in my TGFBI draft uh, about how I overdrafted Garrett Hampson because at the time I needed a middle, infiel- uh, a middle infielder who could run. I needed stolen bases in a desperate way, and I had to pick him easily three to four rounds before I was comfortable just because I had to fill a need. Uh, beyond that, yeah, I do actually stick mostly to what I preach. And, and in this particular article, it's effectively the Fantasy Baseball 101. It's uh, trying to engage new players to this game. You might be a baseball fan, but you're going to get into fantasy baseball for the first time. We have a lot of time to think about the game itself. And this is trying, trying to introduce people to the different formats of games. And I did say in that column, I'll, I'll see you, Eric, you, I mean, you, you saw it. I admitted that I am not a fan of head-to-head play. I'm not just because I don't like the fluky results at the end of the year. I think it's a great format if you can come up with a structure that rewards the best teams, but it's tough to do that. Kind of like we talk in fantasy football.
0: I think, frankly, head-to-head does not reward the best teams. <laughs> because That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I, I make the playoffs in a head-to-head league, and then some guy's got somebody going nuts for two starts. You know, somebody somebody has Rick Porcello active, and he wins both his starts, and all of a sudden I lose in my head-to-head playoffs in September. It happens every year. So to me, a full-season, six-month roto league is a lot more telling of who the best teams are. It's the same as fantasy football. You take a, an undefeated team into December, and then you lose because somebody has Billy Volek and uh, and that wide receiver, Marshall. You know, I can't remember his, I remember his name. Drew uh, Bennett was one. Drew remember? Bennett. That's the guy, not Marshall. Yeah. But, you know, I'm still mad about that. How many years ago was Billy Volk? 20? Like, that, was,
1: that was our first year of big-time fantasy football competition. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, here's another question when I was reading this. Do you think it's harder now to, like, be a first-time fantasy baseball player than it was 20 years ago?
1: Yes. Without question.
0: However, because there's so much material now that everybody has.
1: We are not, as an industry, talking enough about strategy. And one of the good things right now is that this, this is a nice opportunity to talk about strategy and to try to introduce new players to this game. And that is why I wanted to write that article. And there's going to be three or four other ones that are fairly beginner to intermediate that come out as part of this playbook series. It's nine parts. This is just the first one. I want to get new, uh, new people into playing this game. And I want them picking the right game for themselves. And I want them to be picking the right friends to play in those leagues.
0: All right. Uh, what else? Is there any other news here? We can just get to more questions on today's... In fact, let's just do that, because I don't want to waste people's time. So let's go right to Kyle and our Hash Browns, and we'll just get to more questions than normal.
2: Uh, Kyle, what do you got today? Hash Browns! Here are the Hash Browns! Well, first, Billy Volick was 2004, so that was a minute ago, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> You're still salty about that? <laughs> well,
0: I had a team in a league... And there were some marbles on the line. And yeah. the guy who played me, look, it was smart. Volok had done this in like week 12 or 13. His three-week stretch was I think 12 to like maybe 13 to 15. So he didn't do it in the final two or three weeks, but he did it against me. And, you know, I lost some raisins in that league. Let's put it that way. I'm just – I'm not still angry about it. I'm not angry about anything. And in this culture right now, obviously, let's focus on what's important. And fantasy's not it. But I, I will never forget – that guy had Billy Volek and Drew Bennett, and I, I didn't even come close to winning, okay? Like, I didn't even come close. I had a team, like, once with Warren Moon that was undefeated, and, like, in week 14, he did nothing, and I lost. I, I just, I'm just i just saying head-to-head fantasy baseball is a little bit like fantasy football. You play all season long, it's fun, and then you get to the final month of the season and crazy stuff happens. If you're in a Rota League, you can control it a little bit. Well, I don't want to even say you can control it a little bit more because that's not even true. Because that guy just picked up Drew Bennett off free agency that year. but
2: <laughs> <laughs> Bennett was on
1: my team that year. I'm, you and I were talking about this on the podcast at the time. That's how I remember this one. It was one of our first opportunities to talk on podcasts together. And I remember your experience in that league and Volokh being used against other people.
0: <laughs> I just... Bennett... Uh, I, I remember I mean... that podcast because... You know, you had been at your, uh, your job at ESPN uh, in 2004, and I was still in high school. So I remember I was like hosting the show, and it was going really well. And I was like, "Man, I, really I hope this you kid hires Carabel." <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't like,
2: even in high school at this point, so you guys are a little past me. But couldn't you argue that that is exactly what the casual baseball player would prefer? Is that you don't want that's not that you don't want the best team to win? but that it's kind of fluky. It's kind of up in the air and kind of everybody's alive on any given week. Isn't that kind of what the casual player kind of likes about football, per se? Yeah, but I'm not a casual player. And neither is no, I person. know, I know. But the playbook addresses the casual the player. So if you're getting into it for the first time, would you prefer head-to-head over Roto? Kyle, there's
1: one, there's one problem with the head-to-head format for new people. In, in term, okay. I, I, I see what you're saying and you're right. It will engage new people more. Right. My issue with it is that it's 21 weeks, in in a traditional sense, of Uh regular season. That's a long time to get the proper teams into the playoffs, at which point it's one or two weeks in order to knock those guys out. If it was 10 weeks and 10 weeks, then I'd probably agree
2: with you. That's fair. All right, that was just my question. Ryan's got a hash brown. He says bulk relievers are often very valuable in points leagues. He wants to know if you guys have any Ryan Yarbros on your list for 2020.
0: Uh, Yes. Well, I mean, like, Tristan, if we think that relief pitchers are going to play a a bigger role in the first month of whenever this season starts, and we pray that it starts, like, can we pinpoint those relievers? That's the problem I'm having. Like, we know that, like, guys like Yusmero Petit tend to pitch more innings than others. And Yarbrough's a little different because he's an opener. But or like not an opener. He's a guy who doesn't pitch the first inning, but then pitches innings two through six. Can you pinpoint pitchers that are going to be like long men that are valuable? Like if Nick Pavetta is in Philly's middle relief role, he's not going to be valuable.
1: Well, he could be if he's effective, but we need guys who we well, believe. We don't are... think
0: that's going to happen.
1: That's <laughs> the problem. Yeah. Um, so Ryan's original question, I think he's been asking this one a lot, and I I did answer it the other day, and I don't think he saw it. Um, was I believe they had to be starting pitcher eligible. So we're going to expand this to both just because this needs to be addressed. Uh, The two guys for me were Ross Stripling and Dustin May of the Dodgers, who I think are probably going to be kept in relief initially because they eat up multiple innings. And I'm not talking about guys like Yarbrough who go six innings. I think that's going to be tougher for teams to do under the new three-batter minimum rule. I think they're going to try to break down games with two to three-inning stints for guys. So those two stood out for me. I think Seth Lugo is kind of close to being that type of guy. Uh, there was one other. Uh, Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta was my big sleeper for this.
0: So I'm looking at AJ Mass's points rankings, and I'm trying to find middle relievers, and I don't see them. So I guess he's not valuing them unless they have saves. Um, I, I just you're right. That was Freddie Peralta is a good one because he's he may not be a starter, and he's not going to close, but he should have value. So like Ryan Presley has a different value than Yusmera Petit. Crossley's like the next in line for saves on a really good team, dominant ERA. So it's just a different thing. I, I, I don't know. I wish I could find somebody like I guess Tyler Chatwood was. An, it was that in a way for the Cubs. I'm not even trying to be facetious anymore.
1: Except like, that he might oh, be a that's starter.
0: Starting from pitch one, Chatwood. <laughs> All right, he, he wasn't Jacob Degrom here, fellow. All right, he, he pitched over. He pitched fine. It just you said nice things. That works for me. Robert Stevenson. That would be my guy. Yes. Cincinnati.
1: Robert Stevenson's not, a great one.
0: He is a middle a middle guy. He could be the nationally used Mara Petit. All right.
1: Uh a couple others. Corbin Burns, I think, could be a candidate for this. I think Sean Newcomb, if he doesn't make the rotation, and, and they might just want to keep him in two to three in and extend some relief at this point. Another good candidate. Matt Strom kinda qualifies for this a little bit. Jimmy
0: Nelson. You know, Milwaukee could be the team that just does it feels like when it comes to pitching because they have basically one, sta- one starting pitcher that I think could be a big innings guy and the other guys are all like they could be Ryan Yarbrough he, I mean really council could decide Adrian Houser goes three or four innings and Freddie Peralta relieves him or Brent Suter relieves him or Corbin Burns or Shelby Miller or Eric Lauer I think Milwaukee and that's not going to be very valuable for fantasy but they've got Hayter who's great they got Woodruff, who I think will be great. And then everybody else is kind of thrown into a two or three inning or four inning pot. I think Council might do that.
1: Yeah. And I think he should. I think it's much more likely we'll see that happen this season in certain bullpens. This is the, the Tony LaRusa 1995 A's pitching staff.
0: Um, I don't remember that, that specific one, but I'm just remembering, like, he was the guy who basically started the one inning closer. So, boo on him. Because <laughs> that yeah. messed things up. That messed but things he, up.
1: He did that, I think it was a three-week experiment with one of the Oakland A's teams. Yes, in the I remember Niners. that. Yes, I'm going to the baseball reference page to see if I could find it in the meantime.
0: <laughs> right, I mean, he had that lefty that pitched for the Dodgers and the A's doing all sorts of things.
1: Rick Honeycutt.
0: You know, Rick Honeycutt. And you're right, I, I, there were some starters. Who was that, like, uh, bonus, Van Poppel? Yep. Remember Van Poppel was using kind of different roles, middle innings, and he was terrible at it. Um, anyway,
2: we're wasting time now. What's next? Bill wants to know where you'd rank Otani as a hitter only in a dynasty format. If I thought
0: that Otani was only going to
2: be a a a DH,
0: okay, he would rank. Well, how many DHs are there now? Right there's all right. Jordan Alvarez, I think or Nelson Cruz are the top DHs right now. If you're in a dynasty, obviously it'd be Alvarez because he's he's 22 and Cruz is 39. Um, Ohtani is 25. Could you make the case that if you knew Ohtani was just going to be a DH for the next 10 years to rank him over Jordan Alvarez? I think I can, Tristan.
1: Oh, I can make the case for that. Sure. I, I think be, they'd be pretty comparable, I think, in terms of the, the dynasty ranking as is. I think. Uh, and not only that, I think both players have a decent chance, assuming here that Otani is only a hitter, that's what he's locked into, that they'd both probably get some outfield qualifications most years.
0: I mean, Otani can steal bases. Yeah. And Alvarez has knee problems. So, just because he's 22 doesn't mean he has the body of a 27 year old. I I just, I like Alvarez, but I think he's being overdrafted a little bit. I don't think Otani, especially this season now, is going to get a lot of time hitting. If he he pitches like once a week, every Sunday, he'll he'll be in the starting lineup as a hitter two, three times at the most? Mm.
1: Essentially a platoon player. Probably. Probably. Yeah, if he's going to be a starter right from from the beginning. I'm curious to see how he is used. His value is increased as a result of the the possible or probable, I'm sorry, short season. But, yeah.
0: But I I, I don't even think of him as a hitter anymore. I think of him as they're going to use him as a pitcher because that's how I think they're going to use him.
1: I think they will try to get their two to three starts at DH out of him, but do they sit him the days before and after he pitches? That's the question on the hitting side. I don't know quite what their approach will be. If he's only a hitter, does he make the top 25 overall dynasty or dynasty ranks?
0: Well, who is your number 25 dynasty hitter? I mean, if it was Bryce Harper, then no. I mean,
1: I'm thinking like, top 25 overall player if he is treated as only a hitter.
0: No.
1: I don't think I don't so think- either. I don't is
0: think it I can do 40? that. I'd have to look and see who you're – I'm trying to go to your list right now. Um, okay. But I can't find it, of course. So I, I don't know. It, it depends on um, – it depends on who else is there, frankly. Mm-hmm. But I like him. But, like, I think in a dynasty I'd be, I'd be willing to rank him over Jordan Alvarez, which I think says a lot. So, like, your number 40 guy is, well, Luis Robert, but that's not fair because he, he hasn't played yet. Matt Chapman, you have his number 41 overall. Would I rather have Matt Chapman or Otani in a dynasty? See, that's not fair either because the reason I I don't want Otani in a dynasty is because I don't know what the role is going to be. If I knew it was just going to be as a hitter that would change it, yes, I would take him over Matt Chapman. I would take – wow, I'd take him over Chris Bryant. How about that? I would take Otani over Chris Bryant in a dynasty if I knew Otani was a hitter only, but I don't think that's going to be the case.
1: I'm going to take him over Chris Bryant either way because I ranked him better than that, and I feel like I would take the chance –
0: yeah, you ranked him well, but, man, I just don't want to deal with it because I just don't know. I, I, I need some kind of clarity. If I'm picking early yeah. in a dynasty, I need, I need clarity, and Otani is, is the opposite of clarity. He just is. I,
1: I think he could range on the high end to about 30th in this ranking set, and I'm choosing the optimistic end of the scale. I think the low end is about 75th.
2: All right, what else we got? That's pretty high. Randy wants to know if Justin Upton's the best bet of the players 32 years or older to post a 3,100 season this year. Well, you know, truncated, I guess, but the equivalent of a 3,100 season.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. So in the articles that I've been writing, and I'll, maybe I'll start <laughs> tweeting them out so people can see them. In the articles I've been writing, I'm saying, like, like that I think Michael Chavez could be a 30-home run hitter, but obviously he can't do that in 75 games. Right. But, like, the bold prediction I made today, Tristan, you're going to think it's ridiculous, but I basically said Chavez is Mike Moustakas. He's a second baseman only in eligibility only. And that's legit power without, like, good play discipline, them, without walks. That's how I'm viewing him. If, if this was a full season, I think Michael Chavez hits 30 home runs, just like Moustakis does. And, you know, that's bold or dumb or both. Anyway, to answer the Upton question, my problem here is missing games. And if they, if they truncate the season and nobody has any off days and they're playing a doubleheader every other week, Justin Upton's just not going to play enough games. I think he might be done. Do you think he might be done, or is there a 30-hundred shot here?
1: I think there's a 30-hundred shot. I I do worry a little bit that he could be done. That last year was bothersome enough, and the injuries are starting to become an issue. But I I choose to, in this case, lean on the fact that entering spring training, at least before everything paused, things were looking very good, and he is in really an outstanding spot team and lineup-wise.
0: Yeah, he bats 5th or 6th behind Trout, Otani, uh you know Rendon. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows about Otani. But I, you know, maybe I'm underrating him a little because in the three prior seasons to last year, 30, 35, 31 home runs and he was running. He averaged 10 stolen bases a year mm-hmm. from 2016 to 2018. Now, yeah. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that again. So it's like you can't say I can see a 3000 but he might be done. It's got to be one or the other. Like, I think he's going to play like a 3000 guy until he gets hurt.
1: I I think you're right that he's probably done as a base stealer. He might give you four or five, but I don't think – you're not drafting him because he might give you 15. I think you are shooting for the 30-100, and I'm optimistic enough he'll get there. Is there
0: anybody else in baseball who did what Upton did? I just noticed this. Uh, For over 10 consecutive seasons, he stole eight or more bases. Now, you might say, Eric, that's ridiculous. Eight steals, who cares? But eight steals every single season over 10 years. Has anyone else done that?
1: Over these past 10 or any 10?
0: No, I mean, obviously ever. Lou Brock did and I'm talking about for that 10-year period. Hmm. Let's say. That's a, that's a lot of steals to be consistent with every single year. Well, Trout hasn't played long enough. You know, like, how many guys actually stole eight or more bases in those 10 consecutive seasons until last year when he was hurt? That's, that's pretty good. It's a good floor.
1: Uh, four players did it. Let's see if you can name any of them.
0: I can't name any. I'm thinking he was alone. But I mean, let me look at the list of, of like, rankings. I'm sure if I did that, I, I would figure it out.
1: But. From 2009 to 2018, four players did it in all 10 seasons. Uh, one recently, re- actually, two, they might have all recently retired. <laughs> well, that makes Two of them little... definitely did. One very recently retired. <laughs> okay, two of so... them retired this offseason.
0: None of them are active. That says a lot,
1: huh? Uh, yeah, I don't believe the third one is active either. Who
0: are they? I don't know. I, I Honestly, I don't
1: know. The other, uh, the other ones are Ian Kinsler. Wow. That's the recent, retire- recent retirement. Carlos Gomez and Ra- Rajai Davis.
0: That's pretty good.
1: Yeah.
2: That's a, that's a great stat. That's a great stat.
1: Wow. I, play I like that a
2: Eli- lot of weirdness out there because he's always between 8 and 15. It's not like he's stealing 48 bases. Right. He's just, he's really consistent. He's more
0: Three consistent. And than... mm-hmm. you know he
2: what?
0: He's a guy to pay attention to when spring training resumes because if he's healthy, I might be underrating him and I might have to change my answer. Maybe he's yeah. not done.
1: I, I would love to see him raking again with a bat once the games resume. That's, I'm going to be, yeah, I agree with you. I'm keeping my eye on
2: Interesting. Some Justin Upton love. Knight wants to know if you guys are into Yandy Diaz and OPS over 800 since the beginning of 2018. What's his ceiling for 2020? He's a hitter. He's a legit hitter, Yandy Diaz, and I
0: love him. And I think, first of all, he hits baseballs really hard. He's a right-hander who bats leadoff against lefties, which I love because in a daily, you know, like you better activate him that day. Or in DFS, Yandy Diaz is one of the best situational DFS options to me because a right hand hitter who kills lefties um, and he bat- and they let him bat leadoff. Not like he bats cleanup those days. He bats leadoff. So, and, and he doesn't have to remove them, you know, when a tough right-handed reliever comes in the game. When Matt Barnes comes in the game, Tampa does not have to pinch hit for Yandy Diaz. So my question is with all Rays other than Meadows, does anybody play regularly? And my other question is, and you saw this in my Rays piece last Friday, like, can Eddie Diaz really play third base. I don't know if he or Tsutsugo really can. So that would help him if he could play more. But he'll obviously face all lefties and some righties, but if you get, if say he was a, it was a full one, you know, 6-month season, I could see 25 home runs.
1: Yeah, if he played a full year and he stayed healthy for the full year, that's probably the ceiling we're looking at, which means the optimist is choosing 20, 20 plus. Uh, and I can't go beyond that only because he's got a really modest launch angle. This guy hits the ball on the ground a lot, but he hits with some authority. As you said, the reason I like Andy Diaz is that he makes contact consistently and he makes extremely high velocity contact. Kind of unusual, the traits between them. But the injuries were a question. As you mentioned, the uh, the role comes into question because the Rays love to mix a match and we don't know where he can play defensively. So I'd say it's it's a. 290 in 20-year is the optimist's outlook, and he stays healthy.
2: Fair. Fair. I like that. we got a couple procedural questions here. Tony wants to know if dynasty leagues that had their keeper deadline come and go, if they should allow teams to reselect keepers to make up for those that lost sale or at the Syndergaard after the deadline had passed, and obviously the draft hasn't taken place yet. No. Sorry. I, I, it, it, it stinks,
0: okay? And I don't think I've actually been affected by this. But I was reading a story about this on, on another site recently. And there's all these different options that you can use. You know, give them fab money. Um, I, I just, I'm sorry. I
2: mean, if you
0: drafted already, that's part of the problem.
2: And if you haven't drafted. If you've just selected your keepers and you're waiting no. to plan the draft.
0: No, I don't, I don't allow a change. Okay. If I'm in a league, if I'm running, I am running a league right now in which keepers need to be selected. And I pushed them back. And the reason I I did that is because of this, in part, because I wanted to see what baseball looked like on Memorial Day before making an, an important decision like that. So, yes, I would not allow that to change. Tristan, would you agree?
1: For the most part, yes. And I have had this happen, and I am the commissioner of league where this has happened, and it has been asked of me, just like Tony is doing here, And I understand it's a difficult question and it's a tough time for this, but the entire idea of a dynasty or, you know, I'm saying dynasty and dynasty because the the true dynasty leagues are the ones that go forever. You are building teams year over year for the long haul. That's the whole point of the league. So if you are locking in players at a certain point with the information you knew, you were making a long-term speculative decision anyway. So there's really no argument for me to make to, to undo what's been done and allow people kind of a redraft or a repick in my league the two players who got most affected. And Eric, you remember this. I told you this example. We have a a free agent process in addition to keepers where certain players who reach the end of their contract go up for free agent bidding to the entire league and they can be picked before the draft by other, other players. And somebody signed Luis Severino and he subsequently had Tommy John surgery. And that team wanted to throw that pick back before we got to the point of the keeper lists. And then somebody kept Chris Sale on the final keeper list And now he's in that situation. So I'd have to undo two processes. Tells you how this stuff gets complicated. And you're going to set precedents for your leagues down the road. Be really careful about about doing that. And the only thing we do is we we give you kind of a compensatory pick if you want to cut the player in the draft. But it's really not all that valuable. It's better than getting nothing. It's better than waiting until the end of the draft and cutting him and replacing him. You can get a pick later in the draft. It's a so-so player. So at least there's that. And that might be something for leagues to consider if you're in this situation. But I would not allow a redo.
2: Well, didn't expect consensus there. We'll take it. We got one last one dealing with mock drafts. He wants to know if you should pass on players you're interested in to see what the draft room thinks of the players, knowing that you not like them, to see where they would go if you're not taking them. It's certainly
0: a strategy. Um, you know, look, if I, if I like a player, say I like Luis Robert more than most, and I want to take him in round 10. Don't do that in every mock draft. Let him go and see if the room is taking him in round 16 in every other draft because then you know you've got some time that you can play with there. So that's – if it's a mock draft and it doesn't really count, yeah, I'm not taking my sleeper picks early there. I want to see where they're actually going and read the room. Absolutely. I'm trying different things in mock drafts. I'm not doing what I, – I, I'll try a couple where I want to build the team where I want to build it ultimately, but I'm also trying some different strategies to saying because I might be wrong, you know. And it, certainly the difference in a row to one of points is, is huge. So taking closers is something I would do there. But also I want to do a two-catcher mock, whereas ESPN's normal is only one. I want to see if I like having Robinson, Torinos, and Yadier Molina as my only two catchers. Maybe I'd rather have one of them be a lot better than that, you know? So, yes, I, uh, if, if I have a sleeper in a mock draft, I'm not going to take him. I want to see what the room does with him.
1: I think you're especially not going to take him if there's anyone in that room who's in your draft upcoming. That's, That's a good an, point, too. <laughs> another thing to keep in mind. Who are you drafting against? What is the purpose of your mock drafting? Are you trying to experiment with a new strategy? Are you trying to exploit a portion of the player pool? You need to ask yourself, why are you doing this? Which is what I do with each mock draft. I'm like, am I going in and playing the straight like we're playing at the season? Or am I trying out something neat like the the modified Labadini plan?
0: Yeah, and and you know what's interesting is you and I both play in a lot of leagues. And they're different types. There's people in our leagues where... They're industry experts like us, and nobody cares who your favorite player is. But there's other leagues where the other you know, 13 guys just want to beat me. I'm not trying to sound like a jerk here, but that's their goal, is just to make sure I don't win. So they do things. If they know that, that I want Luis Robert, they're going to take him five rounds before he should go to make sure. that It happens in this one league of mine, and you might say, why am I still in the league? And I, I, I actually – considered leaving because it's like that's not fun anymore you know it's like what am i doing here
1: that that one one dollar brewer pitcher that ended up going to somebody else in the room for four dollars and immediately got the reaction of oh is that guy
2: yeah yeah. (laughs) that
1: still that still cuts deep doesn't it
0: (laughs) i yeah
2: i just can't imagine a friend knowing that you like a pitcher you got invited into their league you nominate a one dollar pitcher and that friend bids him up to $2 and forces you to go to your max bid three. I just, I can't see that happening in any <laughs> Oh, Don't go there. Don't go there, Sunshine.
0: I actually wanted Tyler Chatwood. Alright, so you're talking about an auction that we were in last, or I don't even remember how the days now, what days today? A couple weeks a ago. And first of all, couldn't have cared less what your max bid was. Second of all, I actually thought that Tyler Chatwood was worth $2 in that, that auction. I almost and believe it. When, when I didn't keep going, a couple of people like, texted me like, you should have kept going, <laughs> and not just because of you. It I like that okay. I couldn't be going any higher. I have yeah, a terrible it, was, I, it
1: was literally his max bid.
0: <laughs> I, I should have looked to see what your max bid was, but I ultimately let you – you know what? And I shouldn't even admit this. I let you have him. I max wanted him, good. and I, I let you have him.
1: I was gonna get him back for that because he stole another of my players for three dollars a couple of bids before wow, that. Yeah, and I was gonna steal Chatwood from you and then yeah, try to not. make a trade. <laughs> but
0: that's that's not even close to what I'm talking no, about. No, 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 it's you. not. I'm talking about being in a league where a guy was like, Well, he wrote an article in Josh Lindblom, so I'm gonna draft Josh Lindblom before he can. That's basically what
2: happens. And yeah. you yeah. know It really did we... happen.
0: He yeah. nominated a guy
1: for one dollar and someone else in the room bought the player, and then asked his neighbor
0: who the player was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was there that day.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, like I wouldn't trade what we're doing. We're very lucky and fortunate to be able to do this job and to do podcasts that people actually listen to and to write stories that people can find sometimes. And I, I'm like, you know what? It's, it's, it's cool that if you, know, if you know that I want Alex Bregman in round one and you don't and you want to take him anyway, be my guest. I'll take somebody else. You know who my sleepers are. You know who my busts are. You know who I'm not going to bid up. If you think I'm going to bid up Phillies in auctions, you're just flat out wrong. Um, I'm just not going to – I'm not doing that. Um, I think people in labor finally figured that out. I don't know. It's just – it's fun. It's all good fun. Yep. If you're not That's- enjoying your league, don't play. That's yeah. the other thing. I I dropped out of my oldest league because I wasn't enjoying it. Everybody Everybody hated me. I was like, this is not fun anymore. And I was like, I don't want to waste my time. So – if you're not enjoying your league, don't do yeah. it anymore. Don't do it. Yeah. Find another one. Join a league where Tristan commissions and wins every year. <laughs> it you was win, a win that league part. every year?
1: No. Oh, gosh, no. No, we actually Why? have. What? Why? Uh, I, I do like I do in our sim league where I try to do the perennial contend, then rebuild process, then perennial contend thing.
2: If he doesn't let other people win once in a while, they'll just quit and leave, so he's got to stay active to no, play.
1: actually, we have one guy in the league who's been a powerhouse for for pretty much the past decade. He had three titles in a row at one point, just he's very good at this.
0: He's better than you. Why isn't he on the podcast? Well, well he's very good. He
2: didn't better. say better
1: Yeah, uh, let's say that 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 his trade tactics don't necessarily. Agree, I don't agree with them. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: yeah. I have a league right now where like there's two new owners in the league, and they're just getting robbed in every trade. And I texted a guy in the league. I'm like, why are we allowing this? Why are we allowing? Like, tell these new guys to. St- Stop making these trades unless, like, somebody who's a veteran. And I know that might be demeaning to somebody new, but if I'm joining a league and I don't understand valuation, whether it's draft picks or prospects or veterans, I'm going to ask somebody what they think. And I hate it when a veteran guy in a league just starts robbing somebody new because he can, and then they win. I I don't want to be in a league like that. You know what I'm talking about. And I just don't want to.
1: In this case, I I mean, this case because you know, I, I this is a friend of mine. So I mean, I I'm not about to rake him over the rails for that. And he doesn't necessarily uh, approach the new owners. We usually have the same twelve each year. We've actually had very little turnover, remarkably. It's more that uh, there's that character that will be very persistent in trades. Yeah, you know, you're gonna get you're gonna get a call all hours of the day, and you're gonna get several of them. It's like, come on, come on, we gotta make that trade, you know. <laughs>
0: Like the guy so, who was emailing me about trades before I had any players in that league.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. And I yeah. mean, okay, hey, you're, you're a persistent and committed you know, fantasy manager. Okay, that's fine. It's, it's just not the way I do it. I don't think I have the time to do that.
2: No, I, I
0: don't, don't have the time. I don't have the inclination. And, and by the way, when you're writing me an email and you're trying to explain to me how good Liam Hendricks is, I'm kind of aware already. You don't <laughs> need to do that. Don't waste <laughs> your time. Okay?
2: You, I mean, like, we do this for a living anyway. Any other questions here, Kyle, or are we done? That's all we got for today. As always, hit me on Twitter at Kyle ESPN. We podcast every Monday and Thursday.
1: Kyle, I got a question. Shoot. How are you doing?
2: How am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, we're hanging tough. The wife first day is teaching remotely today, so uh, we're seeing how that goes in the basement today, where I'm going to be spending, you know, weekdays nine to five now. But yeah, I'm doing good. So hear. you're chained
0: into the basement. Does she bring you food like at lunch and dinner time or Throws it down the
2: stairs I got to catch it. So I got to be ready. <laughs> All right. No floor well,
1: food. That's what the 5 second rule advises. 5 seconds
2: minimum, but my basement's not very big so I can get over there in time well before 5 seconds I can cover the whole diameter. <laughs> All right. Well, please everybody, please be healthy. Take this seriously.
0: And hopefully by Memorial Day, they start to get spring training underway. And that's the best we can hope for at this point. We're going to continue to be here talking baseball. Obviously, there are more important things in the world than whether Justin Upton is going to come back to hit 30 home runs. But we understand that. We hope you do as well. And, uh, again, all health and, and good tidings to everybody listening and everybody not listening as well. For Kyle, who does an awesome job, great young family there. For Tristan, winner of leagues, great family there. I am Eric. Please be awesome.